Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. Alright, guys, so today I'm going to be doing this month's Kaiju Spotlight. Yes, I know I waited to the absolute, just about as uh, late into the month as I could to get it done, but I'm getting it done. And the Kaiju that I'm going to be doing it on today is one of the lesser-known Kaiju of the Godzilla Showa era series. Most people think that this particular creature really was just a special appearance here and there, but people, a lot of people don't know that he is considered to be a legitimate kaiju, has a name and everything in the Godzilla universe for during the Showa era. And... That kaiju is the giant octopus. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan of, well, octopi in general, to be, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think they're really cool animals. I like getting on YouTube and just watching uh, videos of them do crazy things. Like whenever they go through those little itty-bitty holes and everything, and you're like, there's no possible way that thing can fit through there, and I'll be doggone it, they fit through it. And, like, you know, I'm a big fan of the animal. And so, and you know, not just the animal, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of them in the mythological sense. Like, whenever you start, like, you know, giant octopus or a giant squid. I know a squid is not an octopus, but, you know, they're in the same family, pretty much. But, uh, and, you know, mythological creatures like the kraken and all of that. I'm just, I'm a big fan. I'm fascinated by the animal. And so, the fact that there's a kaiju in the Godzilla universe that is a giant octopus, I was, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about. And keep in mind that the original 1962 King Kong versus Godzilla was only the second King Kong film I had ever seen, and it was the first Godzilla film that I've ever seen. So I've literally known about the giant octopus and have been a fan of the giant octopus just as long as I have been a fan of Godzilla. And that's a, a statement all to itself. But all right, guys, uh, going to jump right into it. The giant octopus, first of all, has a name. It's like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, probably go back and forth because uh, I was not aware of its name up until... A few months ago but uh, so I'll probably still just refer to it as the giant octopus but its name is Udaku and that is Japanese and it literally translates to you guessed it giant octopus so <laughs> you know American translation his name is giant octopus pretty much but um officially as far as Toho was concerned his name is Udaku and he's only appeared in three different films. The, his first appearance was in King Kong vs. Godzilla. After that, he appeared in an alternate ending to Frankenstein vs. Baragon, which was alternatively titled here in the States as Frankenstein Conquers the World. And he also makes an appearance in that film's sequel, War of the Gargantuas. And that's it for his live-action film appearances in the uh, Toho universe. So let's jump into it. For King Kong versus Godzilla, the scene was thrown in very 
spur of the moment. Like whenever they were writing the script and everything, what all they were going to do out of nowhere, they decided, Hey, let's do a scene with a giant octopus in it. And they was like, okay, sure. We'll go with that. So they went out and they captured, um, several octopi. Like, I think it was three or four. I think it was four, honestly. Now that I'm thinking back, uh, whenever I did the King Kong versus Godzilla episode, but I think it was four that they captured. And they were going to use them for the scene because they didn't want to do a whole lot of stop motion because the whole reason as to why Toho was going with the suitmation technique of making their movies is because stop motion was just far too expensive and time consuming. So they decided that they wanted to go with suitmation. And at first, for this movie, they didn't really... Since it was so last minute that they threw the scene in there, they didn't have time to come up with a really good working prop for King Kong to be able to fight. So they just went out and captured some live octopi and like, we're going to use these guys. And whenever they would put them, you know, naturally they would film with one at a time. Whenever they would put the octopus on the set, to try to get it to move or try to get it to do anything what they wanted it to do they were having a terrible time the octopus it wouldn't move it wouldn't it wouldn't even try to get away it would just kind of lay there lifeless and if you're an animal lover like this this next part is probably going to make you a little sad um you know animal rights was a different thing back in the 60s it wasn't near as uh like a big deal as it is nowadays um especially in foreign countries it wasn't that big of a deal and to try and get this thing to move they poked it with sticks and would try to get it to move um they threw water at it like just constantly throwing water at it uh from a bucket to get it to move uh they even tried cigarettes they would they would light a cigarette if one of them was smoking they would try they would like put the cigarette out on the octopus to see if they could get it to move and it just wouldn't and so finally they found two ways to get it to move both of them are <clears throat> you know it's still still kind of sad one of them is that they would get they would blow hot air on it just a just a jet stream of hot air and make the octopus very uncomfortable, and so therefore it would move to try and get out of the stream of the hot air, and they would just, you know, they would shut off the air, and as it was moving and everything, then that's whenever they would uh, start filming. And another thing that they decided to do was to shine a very bright light on the octopus to get it to move, and same thing. It would, it would get tired of the light being up in its eyes or something, and... It would try to crawl away. They would shut off the light. They would begin filming. That's why in King Kong versus Godzilla, if you're watching it, there are there are one or two scenes where it looks like the octopus is reaching for something. Like it's reaching its tentacles out, like kind of towards the camera. It was actually trying to like stop some of the hot air or the... Well, they didn't have the light on whenever they were filming uh, because, you know, you would have been able to see that uh, the big light was on. But uh, they, it, you, 
it was reaching out to the device that they were using blowing the hot air trying to block itself it was trying to block the the air from hitting it and it's uh it's pretty sad and so after they got done filming the sequences with the live octopi they released all of them back into the sea except for one and he became dinner that night so keep that in mind whenever you're watching that movie that whenever that particular scene comes up there's that's about three or four different octopi that you're watching and one of them gets eaten and you know it's just it's sad knowing what they went through because i'm also an animal lover and you know it just i don't know it just bums me out so <laughs> but um so that was it for filming with the live octopi and now after that naturally there's a scene where king kong picks up the octopus and you know, holds it for a while. It's making it seem as if the tentacles are latched hold, latched hold to uh, King Kong's back and his head and all of that kind of stuff, and he slams it down. Obviously, that was a prop that was made. It was thrown together very, very quickly. You can actually see, <clears throat> whenever King Kong is holding it, that to give it the look of being a little bit more slimy or wet as octopi are, they just put a plastic bag over it, and it couldn't be more plain as day. Like, even whenever I was a little kid, being five years old and watching that movie for the first time, was just kind of looking at it and be like, why does the octopus have a bag on its head? You know, it just it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, you know, that's how they did it. So, And, you know, Kong slams it down, and it slowly crawls away and that's the only time that we see uh mr odaku in king kong versus godzilla now the next time he shows up was for frankenstein versus baragon uh like i said earlier it was released here in the states as frankenstein conquers the world it was an alternate ending so like there's a pretty good chance many of you have never known that this scene existed but basically, what happens with the scene is it's at the very end, Frankenstein is by the water. And it's in a kind of like a mountain region area. And the octopus comes out of the water. It grabs hold of Frankenstein. Frankenstein battles it for a while. And it's trying to drag him back into the ocean so he could, you know, obviously eat him. And Frankenstein, he puts up about as good of a fight as he could. But, I mean, they made... The prop that they made, this octopus was significantly larger than the one that King Kong went up against. Like, this this thing was huge. Like, this would absolutely be what uh, sailors would have called a kraken back in the day. Like, it was, just, it was massive. It dwarfed Frankenstein... Um, you know, you can Google pictures of it. I'll probably post them on my Facebook later on just to, uh, you know, just to show the difference in size and all of that. But man, it was, it was huge. And so it grabs hold of Frankenstein and despite Frankenstein putting up the best fight that he could, it drags him down into the water seemingly to his death. And that was just an alternate scene. Now... The prop itself was made with wire, a wire mesh frame, and it was covered in foam, and then it was coated in sawdust and latex. 
and the frame was removed after everything had hardened. They went in and uh, removed the frame so that it would give the prop more of a squishy kind of um, appearance to it instead of just being like, you know, this big sturdy thick thing with a metal frame underneath it. And this movie, like Frankenstein Conquers the World, it was a co-production between a um, UPA. It was a uh, American production company. And so an American producer, the whole reason why the scene was put in there was an American producer came to Ishiro Honda and said, I want an octopus scene in there because he really liked the octopus scene in King Kong versus Godzilla. And so he said, I would like to have one in this movie. And Shiro Honda wasn't too thrilled about it. He thought it was kind of silly. Like the setting that they were in, it was a lake. It was a mountain region. He's like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for an octopus to be here. But if that's what you want, I'll go ahead and do it. So they built the prop, they filmed the scene, and all of that. But after the scene was done, like Ishiro Honda just, he just wasn't about it. He, like I said, he already didn't care for the the setting of it being in the mountain regions and all of that. And so he was just like, man, I, no. <laughs> He's like, I'm not using this. And so he just cut it from the film. And uh, we got the ending that we all know and love. However... The film accidentally got aired. I mean, the scene accidentally got aired on television in Japan in 1971. Like, people tuned in just to watch Frankenstein vs. Baragon, because that was the title that it had in Japan. And the ending that they had known for a little while, like, you know, all of a sudden it's been replaced with this giant octopus scene. And so now the cat's out of the bag. People know that the scene exists. They've seen it a little bit. And uh, you can find the scene online to watch. And it's also available on some home media um, versions of Frankenstein Conquers the World. And that was pretty much the octopus appearance in Frankenstein Conquers the World. Now... Jump forward to the sequel to that movie, which is The War of the Gargantuas. They used the same exact prop that they used in uh, Versus Baragon. They brought it back for this one. The only difference is they installed lights in its eyes to make it have more of a, you know, menacing kind of look to it. And, you know, pretty much everybody knows... Uh, the opening sequence of that movie where it attacks a fishing boat and then it has a battle with a gargantua uh, gets picked up and thrown away. And that's the last that we see of it. And that pretty much does it for his live action appearances in the Showa era. Now, this prop was used for Sudar in episode 23 of Ultra Q. Like, it wasn't the same character. It wasn't, you know, Udaku. It was for an entirely different character, but it was the same prop that was uh, used in Frankenstein Conquers the World as well as War of the Gargantuas. Uh, Udaku made another appearance in a video game called Godzilla Heart-Pounding Monster Island in 1995 for the Sega Pico. Pico. I don't know how you pronounce that. Whatever. 
But um, now he also he didn't really make an appearance, but he was mentioned in a novel. Everyone knows the Godzilla anime trilogy that was done on Netflix. Well, there was a prequel novel to the first movie that was written, and it's called Godzilla Monster Apocalypse. Uh, to my knowledge, it has not been translated and printed over here in the States for our consumption, but it is, you know, you can find uh, the plot of it online if uh, you're just super curious about it. But it made, like, they mentioned it in the book, from what I gather. Obviously, I can't read it because um, because I, uh, I can't read Japanese. But from what I gather, it's simply just mentioned saying that um, whenever kaiju started popping up all over the place and going on their rampages and everything, that Udaku was, he would just attack ships out in the ocean, drag them under, and so... You know, it was it was just getting to the point where it was dangerous for anyone to try and go go off into the ocean on a ship or anything. Now, <clears throat> I know that Udaku has only made those three live action appearances, and they were all really just cameo appearances. But Toho absolutely considers him a legitimate like, official kaiju of the Showa era. So much so that for the movie All Monsters Attack, there was a map that was drawn up for Monster Island. And it was showing, like, all the monsters in different places on the island and where they inhabit those parts of the island. So everyone would know, okay, this monster is over here, this monster is over there. And way up in the top right corner is Udaku, up like off by the coast in the water a little bit. So for all monsters attack and whenever, uh, whenever they drew up the map for that movie and was putting all of their Kaiju on there showing where they live in, um, <clears throat> in all monsters attack, he was there. Like he was supposed to be there. Now, everyone knows Godzilla versus the sea monster or as, you know, that's its title here in the States. Over in Japan, it is called Ebera Horror of the Deep. And the bad guy, the kaiju bad guy of that film is a giant lobster. Everybody knows that. According to the special effects director for many, many Toho Godzilla films, his name was Teru Yoshi Nakanu. He had an interview one time and he says that Ebera, the giant lobster, was originally supposed to be a giant octopus. Now, believe it or not, that actually makes sense because originally Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster was supposed to be a King Kong movie, like Toho's first standalone King Kong movie, and it just didn't happen because of legal issues and all that, so after the script and everything was written already, they just swapped out Kong for Godzilla. And it would make sense that originally the kaiju that was going to be the bad guy of the movie was a giant octopus because that would be a throwback to uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. He's already battled the octopus once. You know, it would be a rematch in a sense. But that producer is the only person to ever say something like that. Toho has never released a statement. No one else has ever released a statement 
the only evidence we have that Ebera was originally supposed to be a giant octopus is from that interview. And so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. We don't know if it's true, don't know if it's false, you know, but whatever. It's a rumor at this point. Uh, the giant octopus has, you know, it was pretty significant in filmmaking, believe it or not. Um, it really helped the special effects department of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, whenever they were trying to come up with the tentacle use for both the Kraken, as well as the tentacles that are on Davy Jones' beard. Like, they were just having a hard time you know, trying to make the tentacles look kind of natural in the way that they needed to be. And the director of the movie actually told them to watch the scene from King Kong versus Godzilla, watch it over and over and over again, and use that scene as inspiration for Davy Jones as well as the, um, the Kraken from the movie. And the last little bit that I'm going to say about the giant octopus is that there was a nod to the uh, the very first appearance of the giant octopus in a Toho film in the 2017 film Kong Skull Island. Whenever he's just chilling in the water, he's getting him something to drink, he's kind of tending to his wounds a little bit from uh, fighting the Vietnam soldiers and all of that, and then he attacks a giant octopus that had been chilling out in the water, and he kills it, and he eats it, which is obviously a nod to King Kong versus Godzilla just basically having a rematch of a uh, Kong versus a giant octopus. And all right guys, that pretty much does it for the Kaiju spotlight on Udaku slash the giant octopus of Toho. So all right guys, uh, got a few little announcements and shout-outs to make real quick. First announcement is, uh, later on in the week, I will be doing a special bonus episode. I'll probably air this episode, like, Wednesday or something like that. And it's going to be called, What is a Kaiju? And I'm basically going to talk about what is... What sets the bar for what is a Kaiju and what is just a regular old monster movie and what's the difference between those because you know there's a lot of times for a kaiju movie it's kind of in the eye of the beholder you know i mean you just really there is no actual like boom set definition yes this is what a kaiju is because kaiju literally translates to strange beast so going strictly off of definition kaiju movie can be just about any kind of monster movie and i'm going to talk about the future of the podcast and the future of the show you know i'm thinking about incorporating more different kinds of movies into what i talk about not just you know classic standard kaiju films but going back to what i was talking about earlier of like it's in the eye of the beholder and there are some things that i could say this could qualify as a kaiju movie but I'm not too sure, so, you know, I'll discuss all that with y'all later on in the week. But now, uh, a week from today, next Saturday, I will be doing my next uh, part in the Inspirations saga that I'm doing. And this one, believe it or not, is not an inspiration of King Kong or 
Godzilla. It is a movie that was inspired by The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which is one of my favorite uh, kaiju films of all time. And the movie I'm going to be doing is The Giant Behemoth. I'm a big fan of this movie. I've, I've watched it quite a few times. Um, it's a fan favorite. I know lots of people that have seen it, you know, not just because they like kaiju movies, but because they like classic uh, black and white films and all of that. And so I'm very excited to do it. And I hope you guys are too. Giant Behemoth. So uh, next is... Guys, if you listen to my podcast, um, you know, I'd very much appreciate it if you would go and leave a review on Facebook or on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you listen to it on, or if you've had more exposure to it on, whatever platform you mess with it on, I would very much appreciate a review or a rating that you could give. Like, you know... uh, I've gotten, I'm knocking on 1,300 total listens for the podcast, and I have two ratings on Apple Podcasts, and so, you know, like, I just, you know, I would just like to have more. I want to know what you guys think of the show. I want to know what you guys think of how I run the Facebook page. Like, I just, I want to know. I've been getting a crazy amount of messages from you guys lately. Like, you guys are, you know, you're sending me fan art. You're telling me things that you're your kids are into you're sending me pictures of the drawings that you yourself have done and guys keep it up i love it i love that stuff so much i enjoy talking with you guys uh, you know just nerding out about godzilla and different movies that we like and all of that kind of stuff by all means keep reaching out to me to talk to me about all that kind of stuff i can't i'm not i can't get enough of it i, I really love it and i appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the show showing me the support that you do on uh, the Facebook page and all of that, it means a lot to me. I wouldn't be able to do any of this without you guys because otherwise I would just be recording and then posting something and then nobody listens to it. So I appreciate it, guys, for real. Um, If you haven't liked me on Facebook yet, just go on ahead and uh, search me up. It's Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. Same exact profile picture that's here on the... uh, Uh, on the podcast and I'm way more active on there. I'm constantly posting updates and uh, kaiju news, video game release news, um, you know, anything concerning anime, comic books, anything like that. I'm, I'm posting a lot of stuff and also I just post a lot of fan art. I try to credit the artist whenever I can, but unfortunately sometimes I just find a picture online or on Facebook or something and I can't I can't find the artist, so uh, if I ever post one and you happen to know who the artist is, kindly uh, give credit to the artist or send me a message to let me know who the artist is and I will give them credit uh, on the post. So, <clears throat> alright guys, uh, that thank you for tuning in to this episode. we got two episodes coming up this week, one Wednesday and one Saturday. What is a kaiju and the giant behemoth? So... Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you all next time. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.